Howdy. Thanks for listening to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. Very happy to be joined, as always, by this handsome fellow in the oversized Lou Wasserman glasses, Brian Grimm, the aide-de-camp. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. Good afternoon. And uh, also joining us, um, uh, the Segundo, Jared Reiser. He's coming us from the map room in his uh, mountain estate um, by having a a very stately map behind us, uh, you remind us that you've traveled all the way from uh, Fort Worth to Colorado. Yes. You've been some other places. <laughs> A few other places. How's your week, boys? Good. Yeah. So far, so good. It is only Tuesday. Well, but I, I, I'm asking, not how's this week going, but how was last week until now, since since last time we were all together? See, because because mine was great, except for the parts that were existentially horrible. <laughs> I, I think, that, isn't, that, isn't that how usually life is in general? Is that like, there are bright spots of phenomenal beauty and joy and then there's some stuff that bring you right back down to earth. I've been told I'm a little more peak and valley than some. Mm. Some some people are able to manage a plateau of contentedness. Yeah. Maybe just not anybody on this podcast. <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty content most of the time. Yes, and you do this in spite of the challenges of uh, uh, ha- having married a woman from the Midwest, and um, you know you're raising two teenagers. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just have no- I have nothing else to do. I'm, bo- <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> I'm so bored. <laughs> Can we do a three-hour podcast today? <laughs> no, no. Keep no. Write Joe Rogan and see if he'll have you on. We can't do three hours. Hey, um, no, Mrs. Winger. I'm just talking to some nice girls I've met online. They're from Russia. <laughs> I didn't want her to know I was wasting time on a podcast. <laughs> so you reach into the bag and pulled out some girls I met online from Russia. <laughs> They'd like to visit. They just need some money. <laughs> yeah, I got to send it to them first. PayPal. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, well, I've been having I've been having a time uh, with um, PayPal. Uh, Mrs. Winger ordered. Uh, <laughs> so it was supposed to be a raised garden bed because i don't know she apparently didn't want to have me build one for whatever reason yeah raised garden beds are where it's at that sunken stuff is last year you mean like in the earth Mm -hmm. i know i mean i gotta think that farming would just be a lot easier if they were doing it three feet off the ground instead of on the ground better for your back don't you think (laughs) 
So anyway, so she orders it. What does she get? She gets a, um, uh, what's the name of the uh, Korean band? Is there a Korean band called BDS? BTS. BTS? Mm -hmm. Okay. B, I think, okay, so then there's like. There's IBS and there's BTS. <laughs> Well, there's lots of stuff. There's like an anti-Israel lobby. There's, you know, um, uh, there's a group, uh, some, some people who use the whole chicken um, uh, label and identify themselves a certain way. So anyway, this Korean pop band. So she, so she thinks she's getting uh, a raised flower bed. Uh yeah, Katerina and Tatiana say goodbye, honey. Okay. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> so do uh, you want me to leave my robe on or? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I bet that that was the accent that sold her on the whole gag. Well done, Jared. <laughs> um, Up until that point, she was, it was a little suspect on who she was talking to. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so she gets this ring that has, uh, one of the guy's names on it and, uh, like a little star and it's got like a date on it in that weird international way that starts, uh, that does a year, month, day. So anyway, I kept waiting for a hologram to come out of it and send us some sort of message, but she just called PayPal and took it up with them. And uh, so they're going to credit her money back. So she got a uh, like a, a ring, like <clears throat> yeah, like a, a a ring to wear on your finger, with uh, the I think it's the birthday of one of the guys in um, BTS uh, BDSM. Did you know that the Is there is one of them named Jin Brian? Is one of them named Jin J I N? I don't know. I, I didn't I want know. to get you. I wanted to spell Jin in the Korean name sense, so as to not get you too overly excited. Boy, did someone say Tanqueray? <laughs> I've got boodles here for when my iced tea runs dry. Uh, can we think of another Jin? Hendrix. It's Ginny Hendrix. He was a guitar player, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, okay. So what were you gonna tell a story about this Korean pop band or did you think better of it? No. Nope. I thought better of it. Yeah. You're out. Okay. I'm out. Okay. Yep. Tap out. Yep. How does that? What's the deal with tapping out? Like if you're if you're wrestling and you and you yield, mm -hmm. you you tap out. Yeah, you have to. It's like a uh, um, a visual cue, physical cue to the ref that you're about half a second away from being completely or choked death. to death. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 tap on your shoulder a couple of times, and that's. That's the signal. That's that's how everyone knows. Okay. Given up. 
Is it common? I don't know. I don't really watch much MMA, so I don't know how often it ends. Oh, is that what it's from? It's not, it's not from professional wrestling. Yeah. I don't know if that's a wrestling thing, but yeah, I I was thinking it's from MMA MMA. as well. It doesn't work in street fights though. I found that to be the case. (laughs) I've woken up many times in the morning. How did I get here? (laughs) I thought I I tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) I told the guy. Usually I just yell time out, time out. <laughs> that that's not fair. Reset. <laughs> he cheated. <clears throat> um, what made you think of that tapping out? Why did that? Oh, because Brian uh, bailed on a joke so that he could look his wife and children in the eyes uh, again. <laughs> So I saw kind of an interesting thing on um, a radio, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. I follow them on Twitter. And there's a woman in uh, like Turkmenistan who started playing a sport called, hang on, let me find it. um, Buzkashi, Buzkashi. Okay, now this is played and, and, and she's really groundbreaking because it's very rare, particularly in these, um, frankly, in the, in, in the cultures of s- South Central Asia, uh, women have very few rights. Um, I mean, they had certain rights under the, the Soviet regime and Turkmenistan was the Soviet satellite state, right? I mean, it was part of the Soviet Union. So a uh, little bit different, but like uh, Robert Kaplan in his book, um, what's it called? Afghan Ghosts, or no, no, it's called Soldiers of God, which is with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan uh, in the first place, like in the 80s, he was, he was in there. So he related that, like, here's a joke that um, uh, Afghani men would tell among themselves. Um, Why do women have small noses? So they can eat fecal matter. I don't know, maybe it's better in the original Pashtun, but that doesn't sound like a very funny joke to me. But I think- I would have have probably tapped out before I said that joke. I wasn't telling the joke. I was telling the. I wasn't telling it as a joke, you idiot. <laughs> I know you were quoting. Gosh, I, of course, I was. Thing to say, Jeff. And I'm trying to set the stage for what it's like in South Central Asia. Right. I mean, where uh, you know, I don't know. Men are men, and women are bruised. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it, it, it. But it sounds like a rough place. Anyway, this woman started playing. Uh, uh, Buz, Buzkashi, Buz, Buzkashi, Buzkashi. It's my new favorite sport. So um, you would think that I would um, uh, have remembered it, but I knew that I was familiar with it. Uh, and, and it was in fact written about when I first learned about it in like 1990 after P.G. O'Rourke published his book, Parliament of Whores, a lone humorist attempts to explain the entire U.S. government. So in the part on 
foreign relations. He ends up in Pakistan, uh, which he which he said was uh, like a listening post for Afghanistan. Uh, he said <laughs> he said um, listening post is journalist ease for close but not too close that i can't get a hot shower and bottled water um so anyway he says uh he writes as follows uh, as for recreation the national sport of afghanistan is something called buzkashi a kind of horse mounted rugby with a dead calf for the ball a and by the way in uh, uh, the woman in um Tur in in the other country um I can't remember now if it was Turkmenistan or Tajikistan. I, I think it was, uh, it, it was it was the South Central Republic. I promise. Um, they were using a sheep. They were using a sheep, not a calf. Um, a buzkashi match is held on an ill-defined open space, at least the size of a city block. Any number can play. There were about forty horsemen involved in the game. I saw. The players are divided into two teams. The field has a flag at one end and three large circles chalked into the dirt at the other. The two outside circles are goals for the respective teams. And the middle circle is where the calf is put after its head is chopped off. The point of Buzkashi is to lean out of your saddle, grab the calf, ride like hell around the flag at the far end of the field and come back and make a <laughs> make a field drop in your team's circle. The twist is that Buzkashi is played for cash prizes and the money goes not to the scoring team, but to the <laughs> individual scorer. Therefore, everybody on the other team is trying to take the calf away from you. And so is everybody else. Buzkashi says so much about Central Asian politics that reporters call going to a Buzkashi match being put on uh, metaphor alert. I went to have a look at the dead calf before the game started. I couldn't lift it with both hands, but the Buzkashi riders cock a leg around a saddle horn and whisk the carcass away like a lady's handbag. Then the real fun begins. Part tartar, boar, uh, part tartar horde, part horse <laughs> cousinart with hooves and boots and whips and fists flying and the whole barbarian stampede riding headlong into the spectators. Dignitaries watch Bushkashi from a mud platform with rugs and awnings and boys to bring lemonade. But real Bushkashi fans get right down on the field and mingle with the crazed horse flesh. It's exciting. I tried using a French photojournalist for protection, but he was too skinny to absorb the impact of a runaway horse. And I got a nasty fat lip off the back of his skull when his face was smashed into his camera. People were trampled all over the place and bodies were pitched in the air and the crowd was laughing the pajamas off. It's all part of the terrible Central Asian bravery surplus. There's so much death around here that I guess the idea is to die in the most interesting way possible, rooting for a Bushkashi mat team or uh, reading novels or whatever. 
it's that or go shopping. Wow. So, yeah. Can you, so go ahead. I have questions. Yeah. How, do, how does one, um, like this female athlete in the country that we were referring to earlier, how, do, how does one figure out that they have a skill for this? Well, I think it all comes from uh, being a good rider. And yeah. remember that uh, Genghis Khan uh, was what, Man Mongolian, right? And the, and the reason he was able to get like, like to the gates of, I mean, they, I mean, they, they got like to Western Europe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know how that, I don't even know that history. Right. I mean, I know, uh, here's what I know. The Russians continue to go back to Genghis Khan as a reason why they hate foreigners. And they say they're afraid of invasion because it happened. Yeah, that, he left that, quite. He left quite an impression on him. He did. He did. Well, I mean, and I, you know, and on everyone else. Yeah, that's 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 the other thing. Um, they, yeah, you didn't. They weren't great to be captured by. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, it's a team sport, Buzz Cashy, but you're really playing for yourself. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, did you play something in school that was like, like called something like smear the guy with the ball? Yeah. Did you? Mm hmm. Okay. So it sounds, it sounds like that only with a horse and livestock <laughs> and livestock. Right. Uh, she's, she's in Tajikistan. So it was, this was uh, uh, tweeted by Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, two days ago. She pulls goats like a man. Meet a Tajik master horsewoman who is battling stereotypes while chasing a goat carcass on horseback. So I, I think that the history of the region is that they were, that they're master horse riders. Um, you might say similar to the Comanche down here um mm -hmm. uh the horse riding uh american indians you know who uh you know i mean um i mean i, I don't know how it works with the apaches because because usually the ones you hear about uh here in texas are the comanche who just didn't they, they, they were rough hombres they were even i mean like they frightened other tribes so it wasn't just like a you know, white guy versus the Aboriginal Indians thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, these were like fearsome warriors and they stole and raped and killed everybody. Very, very ecumenical that way. Um, and uh, so, so anyway, I mean, some people just developed into great horse people. And uh, I'm sure that that's why Central Asia exported uh, uh, conquest at various times until the Russians showed up with like tanks and whatnot. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 so they, anyway, they fight over the goat, but I mean, I just, I can't imagine, um, I just can't imagine leaning out of my saddle, picking something that heavy up 
but I mean, there's, there's video of, there's video of it on Radio Free Europe. I can't imagine leaning out of a saddle. <laughs> also Period. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm at an 80 degree angle. How am I doing? <laughs> well, and it's, it's not like they're even, they're not like using hooks or something like that. Or they're not using polo mallets. Tommy you know, my, Lee Jones plays polo. Did you know that? Or used to anyway, as a younger man. My neck, my neck gets a little bit sore when I don't, when I sit in my car and I lean on the, on the armrest <laughs> for more than 30 minutes at a time. I know what's become of us. Soft. Yeah. So, so anyway, so there's no, there's no I in team, but there is an I in Buzz Cashy. <laughs> right. And like, how much money are we talking about? Like what, I mean, what, what, 20 grand? No, it's probably 20 bucks. Dude, it's Central Asia. Okay. You know, that's funny. You should bring that up because, um, so I've been reading about uh, the Reformation and how like, and, and um, just the, uh, all right. So there's been a lot of talk recently about inflation, right? And uh, whether or not America will, once again, suffer uh, a bout of inflation, such as I remember, though you two probably don't, because it's the late 70s, early 80s. Um, it's when gas jumped up to $1 a gallon, <laughs> and, and it was catastrophic. Uh, you know, so anyway, uh, so people are talking about inflation, and just like just the, I mean, I don't know, it must, it seems like it's part of capitalism, that there is a that as new products and services develop, it, it creates upward pressure on prices. And so inevitably things become more expensive, but that should be okay because you're also making more. And even if you're not, you're getting more for your money, right? Which is why cars are safer now. And, you know, we don't have to wash our shirts on a, a washboard. Or smooth boulder out in a river. Right. We can we we can save the washboard for the hoot nanny on Saturday night. <laughs> People come from near and far to hear me play my washboard solos. Actually, you know what? Funny thing, I saw Warren Zevon and they, he had an opening act, and it was like this quirky folk band. And and uh one of the guys played a washboard. And it wasn't, it wasn't horrible. I mean, I don't know. I, and I didn't buy the record and I don't remember their names, but uh, it's, it was a thing. There was a, there was a band, uh, a Denver band called 16 horsepower that was like in the mid nineties. And they were like a uh, quirky country Gothic uh, with the uh, band. Go goth or Gothic? Goth. <laughs> Well, gothic, gothic gothic makes me think of like the architecture of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, the cathedral in Paris, not the football factory in North Indiana, in South Bend. Uh, well, I don't know, but <laughs> they played the washboard. The washboard. The washboard. Wash, 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 wash. <laughs> yeah, the wash. The washboard. 
Worsh, worsh. <laughs> I, I prefer the spoons over the, the washboard. <laughs> they had a spoon player in that band too. Did they? Awesome. They were old timing, mm-hmm. but was an edge. I've been thinking about taking lessons. <laughs> do you have your own spoons? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I've been fixing to get me some as soon as, as soon as my ship comes in. Um, so, so there's there's upward price pressure, right? So, anyway, so I'm reading about the Reformation, and like you're hearing like about Henry VIII not having any money to finance his wars in France, and so he's like collect, he's collecting like a pound from everybody and they're and they're like afraid that the that the peasants are going to flip out um also you know the the i mean the 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 americans uh uh re- the american revolutionaries right the continental congress was broke all the time right they didn't have they didn't have any money england had all the money so like they they created uh, what would it have been? It would have been um, continental script and it just wasn't worth anything. And guys were resentful to get paid in it. And, and they had to like figure out that whole aspect. I think that's part of where Alexander Hamilton comes in. Uh, Cause he, you know, did the bank and they worked things out with, I mean, France really. Wrote the checks. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, you know, they, they hated the British. So, I mean, it was worth it. I mean, here are guys who are willing to fight your enemies. Little help, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how the world the, works. The enemy of my enemy? What's, how's that? How's that go? Yeah. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that hasn't, that's not super true. Um. So, for example, like the, I mean, the Americans have supported a lot of pretty questionable characters just because like you, they, you might feel that way, but that other guy may not feel that way. <laughs> right? <laughs> Should we whiteboard this out? <laughs> Get a whiteboard. Well, yeah. Well, you know, let, let the 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 viewer can decide for himself uh, as as to America's record in supporting uh, anti-communist uh, uh, regimes around the world. So, um, okay, um, a lot of <laughs> who did I hear? Somebody. It was after. It was after. Uh, Oh, it doesn't matter. Never mind. Never mind. I'm good. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so I got that going on. So I'm thinking about taking up Bush cocky. Bush. I just want to. I just want to call it Buzz. Uh, goat. Goat sport. <laughs> <laughs> goat sports. You know, like motorsports, power mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. <laughs> Goading sports. That's funny. Yeah. 
uh every once in a while okay so like i i you know i i i try to stay away from the worst stuff on twitter uh but there is some unbelievably sweet stuff i mean i feel kind of dumb when i'm like you know just ensorcelled by some dog video you know there's like this picture of a dog that knows it messed up and it like had like <laughs> it like lowered its head and like covered its nose with its paws and stuff it was adorable i could have watched that all night i, I showed i sh i showed a some a, a dog video or something to sarah the other day and she says oh that's cute and she said you know i wish i loved anything as much as you love dog videos on twitter <laughs> <laughs> sounds like she's having a tough day yeah you could say that uh, Mrs. Winger's not having a great day, which is too bad because it's her day off with me and I wish she was having a better day. But uh, we, she's ha we have had trouble. Okay, so, so among all the rackets, one of the most insidious to my way of thinking are computer printers, okay? I mean, you get one that has color and it, it like, if you don't use it enough, it dries out. And if you use it at all, you run out of paper and, you know, your wife inevitably tries to print a big lots coupon and ends up doing like 47 pages of web page in full color, you know? <laughs> and, and so, you know, it's just, so, so I, I bought a big, industrial copier printer fax and uh this morning she couldn't print something and oh my goodness you would just would have thought that it was that the barbarians were at the gate i mean that's it there's no more reason to go on you know so and of course it's my fault because i bought the wrong printer because it shouldn't be this hard. Well, lots of things shouldn't be this hard, okay? Like installing water pumps or dishwashers or, a, a or, butler. or butlers, okay? <laughs> hey, that's a good time. That's a good time to uh, remind listeners to like, subscribe and share to this podcast cuz it is interesting and it's tickling you and you know it is. You're tickled right now. Are you talking about from the butler? Hey. <laughs> this tickles. <laughs> no one in this house has said that. So anyway, uh, uh, like, subscribe, share the Managing Expectations podcast. We are, we're shooting, we're coming up hard on a new milestone. Something that other podcasts can do the first day. <laughs> but anyway, um, Lots of things should be easy, but are in fact surprisingly hard. So after an hour and a half of trying to reprogram things and trying to get it on the right network and talking to Brian repeatedly on the phone, thank you again, Brian, you're a, a true and trusted friend. Not that anything he said was any help whatsoever. And then we, <laughs> and then we- we, elimin we eliminated things that didn't work. It saved you some time. <laughs> I think was it mostly used just telling Jeff to breathe. <laughs> All right, just just breathe, buddy. It's gonna be okay. She didn't mean that. She didn't mean that. <laughs> she loves you very much. 
So um, I think that the ice in the river really started to move when we turned off the printer and then turned it back on in 30 seconds. Uh, and then, so then my computer was printing, my iPad was printing, her computer was printing, her iPad was not. And then she's still mad and she's still irritable. And I'm just like, well, I don't know. Have you turned your iPad off and then turned it back on? And she did. And now it's printing from her iPad as well. I don't know why these advanced electronics, the things that run modern civilization are so are so temperamental that you have to like turn them off, turn them back on. You got to clear the mechanism. <laughs> great for love of the game line. That is a great for the love of the game line. I like it better when it's in the love of the game and it has nothing to do with my stupid printer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times have you worked? At, okay, I mean, I mean, for those of us who have worked in an office, you call IT, and the first thing they tell you to do is, well, you know, turn it off and turn it back on again. Sorry. I mean, what kind of a solution is that? It's that way with everything. Smart. It's not, it's not that way with your refrigerator. It's your not that router. with your what? <laughs> I was just naming stuff, you know. <laughs> I, the router, your modem, whatever. <laughs> have to do that once a month seems like really i don't know brian is that true is it just it's just part of doing is this the cost of doing business yep this isn't cheering me up one little bit my zoom isn't working <laughs> hang on i'm gonna have to restart it <laughs> <laughs> i'll be i'll be right back guys <laughs> yeah i don't know I don't, I don't know why it's that way but it is I noticed you didn't think of that first thing as well, I, I did, as I did I, not. Well, I sort of took it for granted that you had already done that. Really? After mm -hmm. everything we've gone through, after a sharp guy like you, really? I mean, I hate to, <laughs> I hate to call back to the bidet episode, however popular it has proved to be. And by the way, I told everybody I know how awesome that episode was. Have you guys told anybody? We got to yes. be selling this thing. Always be I closing. I have. Yeah. I think we might have some new listeners now. Really? From from the little town of Gunnison. Oh, oh little town of Gussel, Gunnison. <laughs> Gusselin. I, I got out there with my sign. <laughs> At the bidet episode on it. <laughs> Spinning that sign around on the corner like it's tax season. I tried to hire a skywriter to say uh, subscribe to the Managing Expectations podcast, but that was going to be expensive. So you did MEP instead. Yeah. <laughs> MEP. Surprised you didn't see it out there in Gunnison, Jared. <laughs> I was too busy staring at nature. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful here. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an uh, okay. So something something funny has happened to me, and I've uh, I started taking uh, a measure of pride in a nicely trimmed lawn. 
Um, I didn't, I never used to, I would just cut the grass and if Julene wanted it trimmed, she could, she could trim it. But then she figured out uh, how to, uh, she, she figured out how to get around it. And that is she would go through like two spools per yard. I, I mean, not yard of spool, but like every time she did the yard, it cost like two $14 spools of, of uh, whatever that stuff's made out of vinyl of some sort. So you know, I decided to start doing it myself, but got into some fire ant hills and uh, apparently they flew up and uh, bit me. And now it looks like somebody put cigarettes out on my arm. Ouch. Yeah. I have a, yeah, I'm, I'm allergic to uh, a great deal of nature. So let me just clear up a couple of things real quick here that you're having trouble with technology, but you're taking pleasure in having a finely manicured lawn. Um, any books about submarines that you want to talk about as well? There, there it is. <laughs> That's all right. Car, that karma is a bear. It's just Jeff, didn't you used to, didn't you used to have when you lived when you lived uh, in Fort Worth, yeah, um, didn't you used to have one of those old push mowers, like the the ones that, like, seriously, you have to like just push and roll back and forth? Yeah, the the uh, the real it's it's a, a R E E L a real um, spinning uh, sides of push death. push push mower. See, I'm not sure if I'm remembering this. See, I thought you did, and I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly. But I still you... have it. I still have you it. You still have it. Okay. I still have it. I just remember when he first showed it to me, I'm thinking, you know, you can borrow my lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at one time, at one point when I came over, you had done parts of it. <laughs> you were like, you know what? That's hard. <laughs> I think like half the lawn was done and it was kind of like, I don't know. It reminded me of like some of the bad haircuts I've had. <laughs> yeah yeah um okay so there was that okay so those who don't know what we're talking about there was the there was a Mad Men where um uh henry francis wants don to get his stuff out of the house oh yeah and so uh he's got to go pick it up and then like henry was put using this push mower so you, in modern conversations modern being like post 1968 i guess but um you know a push mower is differentiated from a riding mower like if a guy has a really big yard you know um but this was a push mower in the sense that it had no motor or engine um it, it just it, it's like a sil blades like a cylinder and as you push it forward it, it uh rotates and and uh cuts the grass well you got to keep those things sharp or else they don't cut the grass also if you remember my yard in fort worth it was not exactly cultivated uh it was it was more like well if it's green why don't we just call it good and um so like you'll get like you'd get these like horrible weeds that grow about a foot a day uh and then like it couldn't cut anything that tall so 
it wasn't great. I, I got to assume that it was better when everybody had one before they had invented a, a lawnmower with a, an engine. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, and, and it, was, it was a lot like cutting your own hair with dull scissors is how I remember my yard looking. And then I went through a series of used mowers and I think I bought a really cheap one here and then it broke right away and then it could have been worse at that at that home because if did Brian ever see pictures of the yard there it was pretty much 20% grass and 80% brick <laughs> Brian did come to visit but he never saw the end he never saw um he never 80% fox and jacob brick <laughs> that backyard was great that backyard mm -hmm. was great yeah i mean i put in a like a meandering brick pathway throughout the whole thing and surrounded it uh, the pathway went around like through some trees in the backyard and uh uh had a had a patio what was that patio 10 by 10 mm -hmm. that was yeah. back when julian still let you do fires in the backyard yeah that's right I, I was still drinking <laughs> so pretty much i would just breathe on the on the he'd spit into the flame <laughs> um <clears throat> so uh um we yeah, yeah 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 so anyway so so the the gas one that i broke my first year here in north dallas broke um and, and so i took it back to um home depot and they uh let me exchange it out and i got an electric one and you know electric is viewed as pretty soft in texas i mean it's not as crazy as a non-motorized one at all but um yeah so anyway if if a neighbor asks, so what's the deal with that? I just say, I just say, um, I'm from Denver by way of Austin, and that seems to answer all their questions. <laughs> I had a friend that his lawnmower broke, and he was asking me about mine, and I told him that I got it at Home Depot, and he said he went to Home Depot, and they have like four to one electric lawnmowers to gas lawnmowers there now well that's that's suburban denver i mean which which is demographically different yeah uh speaking of that uh, i saw something interesting from audi that uh after 2026 that they are not going to come out with any new internal combustion engine models that's pretty quick that's not that far away yeah so they're, I mean, so they'll slowly phase out the models that they have now, but everything else is going to be electric. Haven't we talked about this? I mean, what do you do with those gigantic batteries when they are dead? You do the same thing that we do with everything else. We bury it in the ground and let somebody else deal with it in a hundred years. I don't see what could possibly go wrong with that. 
I told you that, didn't we talk about the, uh, the fiberglass uh, propellers for, uh, um, that are on windmills, these, these big wind farms? that they have a, a lifespan of, I, don't, I think it's like 10 years or something like that. And then the, the fiberglass breaks down and you can't recycle them. So they just bury them. So there's these, there's these graveyards where they just take these huge, you know, 50, 60, 75 foot long propellers and they just bury them in the ground. Huh. It's not like they blow up. I no. I think they could no. recycle them and use them for something else. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, they are by definition only out in the elements. So uh, I would think in 10 years, they would be in pretty rough shape. Uh, it's probably easier to use, you know, a, a caterpillar or something gigantic to uh, dig a hole <laughs> and push it in than uh, to pay somebody to break it into manage manageable pieces and then dig a hole and drop drop the pieces <laughs> in i mean what, what are you doing I, I told you that story when my mom got a hybrid ford escape did i tell you that story she was very proud of it she was very proud of it that it's a it's a hybrid it's got it's got a battery and it's 38 miles to the gallon and i said that's great uh you know how do you feel though about leaving Jack and Ella to deal with this battery once, once, it can only, once it's done taking all the charges. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, these things can, you can only cycle these batteries so many times before they're useless. And so then you just essentially have a nuclear reactor that you can't do anything with. And now you're leaving it for Jackson and Ella, your grandchildren to deal with in 15 years. <laughs> What'd she say? She said I was lying to her and that's not true. <laughs> Brian, I think this is just another cynical ploy to get my money. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, so yeah, no, I think that's I think that's interesting that Audi is is going is saying they're going all in. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like everybody is, but. You know, I mean, the, the electricity still has to come from someplace. And I mean, America gets electricity primarily by burning coal, don't they? Yep. So I, I just, it seems like they're saying, oh, look how good we are, but pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the great and powerful, I mean, you know, I, look, I, I don't have a problem with owning a, a, an electric car. And you know what I didn't know until I just saw one in a parking lot the other day? Um, there's a type of Tesla, the back doors are gull wings. Have you seen that? Yeah. Sweet. You think that's cool? Brian, you, I can tell by your furrowed brow that you think that is pretty cool. The, uh, there's a, a demo when they introduced that, that model of the, uh, they park it like within like a foot or six inches of another car on each side of it. And those doors can open up, like they raise up first and then they swing up. So that way you can be parked close, you know, within a foot of something and you can still get out from the back. That's pretty fancy. Yeah. 
Have either of you guys uh, driven inside one Tesla? I haven't. Not me. They're pretty cool. They're pretty sweet. I have both of my brother-in-laws own one. (laughs) (laughs) Of of course they do. Um, I didn't think the Tesla truck was out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can see Louie in one. Um, Kenny Wayne probably just has one the same way that it's for Janelle. Yeah. Or the no, same way Elvis. Seriously. The same way Elvis and, and Jay Leno just have cars. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable how fast they are. I I've been I've been in some pretty fast cars before, but this is the only one that will it'll tickle your stomach when they when they floor it. <laughs> if you um, like that. <laughs> if you like that kind of thing <laughs> you like your stomach being tickled Jeff <laughs> I do not some people get confused they confuse me for the Buddha and they think if they rub it they will have good luck um, uh, no I've never uh, I, I've ridden in a, uh, a Humvee like the military Humvee um that was incredibly not great uh, because to to give it as much clearance as they want it to have to get over ravines and whatever landmines I, I really don't know um, the drivetrain is is like lift it doesn't hang underneath the car it, it's like up down the center of the car so it's got incredibly high clearance but in in the you know the the entire drivetrain is is like where the center console should be so you know you're looking around where to put your big gulp cup and uh you know you got nothing but drivetrain there but the main thing is like in the front it flares out into the engine and so there's like zero leg room there's incredibly small i was, I was in the passenger side and there's incredibly little leg room and one, uh, this guy, uh, he was reporting for NBC. I, I can't remember his name. I was, I, I mean, I liked him. He, uh, he seemed like a, a decent journalist. I, I just can't remember his name. He was on uh, Saturday Today, which meant something 20 years ago. Anyway, he went to Iraq and um, in the second Gulf War. And um, he got a... a is it a thrombosis when you like can't get up and walk around the airplane? Like your blood settles in your leg and it creates a clot and it throws and it's either. Yeah. That, is yeah. That right. That, mm-hmm, I think that that sounds right. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, he dined in a, in a Hummer of that, of that. And Michael Kelly, who I've talked about a journalist, he was the, managing editor of the Atlantic for a long time. Um, and he, um, he died, uh, his, his wrecked though, his Hummer wrecked and like went into an irrigation ditch. And I don't know if the impact killed him or if he drowned anyway. Some, I'm not saying that Hummers are in and of themselves dangerous, but since they are designed to go to war in, 
they probably can get you in some pretty tight fixes. Yeah. Um, you know, like on international flights, you're supposed to get up and walk around, right? Keep your blood moving. Yeah. Keep your blood moving. Yeah. 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 You know, one way, one way that I always used to like to keep my blood thin, I would do this before we'd go out and play basketball, for example, Brian. Uh, I would uh, take four aspirin and wash it down with some Cabernet because everybody knows that the French don't have heart attacks and also aspirin helps. Yeah. Yeah. Before basketball. Yeah. <laughs> you feeling better, Jared? <laughs> uh, I think I think we I think we had a little bit of a hot mic there. So <laughs> Kenny Wayne did Kenny Wayne tie his horse over that flat rock again? Yeah. Were, were, were you were you were you frying some chicken back there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so seeing that map, um, sh um, should I tell my map story when I hear the story about my map, the map I have in my living room, the map that's like one of my prized possessions, that's the envy of all of my house guests, almost all of my house guests. Um, so when it's, we, uh, when we, when we stayed at your place in Fort Worth, Sarah was like, I want, I want one of those for our house. And you haven't gotten her one yet, have you? I know it. Yeah, I know, I know it. You Add it to feel, the list. You must feel terrible. Just not really. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we were in Portland and um, my friend Brooke was getting married in San Francisco. So I was down there anyway, uh, working for the newspaper uh, the, uh, the week before a thing. And so... Um, I'm, I'm crashing at Brooks place because the, the paper didn't have money to put me in a hotel in uh, San Francisco. And uh, then Julene was going to meet me the next week and we were going to do some stuff. So, um, so I was covering a thing called the state of the world forum, which was like a bunch of like really humane, well scrubbed, you know, um, like, a, like a lot of like, it's what you would probably call the, elites um and they would like get together and talk about foreign affairs and talk about solving poverty and hunger and you know eliminating war and and all these things and there would be people from other countries and they were all uh it is they who were well scrubbed and so people got to deal with people from you know southeast asia and africa without you know feeling you know like They've been among the masses. I mean, it was kind of a highfalutin thing. Anyway, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm staying with Brooke and Brooke has this map. It's a world map from probably 1960. It's huge. It turns out it's six feet tall by nine feet long. And it's, uh, it's, it's a map that's been mounted on board and it's framed and it doesn't, bend and it's huge and I'm like that is the coolest thing I've ever seen and Brooke says well do you want it because Maggie his fiance hates it <laughs> and I'm like oh no no I couldn't you know and the thing is I mean Brooke and I when we were kids we 
Um, the, the joke I always tell is uh, Brooke and I were both young socialists. Uh, it's just that over the course of our lives, I've shown a little more commitment to the cause than, than he did. Uh, Brooke's done well for himself, you know, and, and, and he's been so generous to me that I don't want to like take advantage, you know, and like steal this, you know, really cool piece of gigantic art. He says, no, I'm not kidding. Maggie hates it. It's got to go. I'm like, well, I don't know. We'll see. You know, and I just kicked it down the road waiting for him to come to his senses. Well, he gets married and, you know, they go, <laughs> this is, uh, there's a, so we stayed at their, in their place in San Francisco, uh, his place in San Francisco while they went, I think to Europe, um, and, and, and there's another story there, but I'm going to focus on the map. So we're, I'm back in Portland. I get a call from Brooke. Brooke says, listen, it's come down to it. Maggie wants to sing out of the house. You want this map or don't you? And I was talking to Julene and Julene thought it was great too. That's Mrs. Winger. Mrs. Winger thinks it's great too. And so we're like looking at ways to get it, you know, and like, like rent a truck, drive it from Portland to the, you know, like the eight or 900 miles to San Francisco and then back, that's a fortune. And then, you know, like flying down there and renting a thing and taking it one way, that's a fortune. So <clears throat> I called an old buddy who was in Denver at the time, a guy named Steve Hogan, who worked for a while as like a trainer and franchise guru for a company called The Packaging Store. So he had a lot of expertise in packing and shipping. And he was good enough to get into it. And so he figured out that the cheapest way to do this was to build a crate to the correct dimensions, ship it empty to Brook in Kansas, excuse me, in San Francisco. So it goes from Denver to San Francisco empty. Brook has to unscrew the top of the crate, load the thing up, and then arrange to ship it back. Well, Steve arranged for Yellow Freight to deliver it from San Francisco to Portland, but Yellow Freight doesn't pick up in the city because as anybody who's ever been to San Francisco knows, the streets are wide enough for like horse carriages and there's like, you know, it's no parking. It's just a hassle. So they don't do it. I mean, if you want to ship something Yellow Freight, you got to take it to Daly City. So Brooke, true friend that he is, rented a U-Haul, loaded the thing up, took it down to Daly City and shipped it up to me. So it comes and it, it, it's delivered to the, uh, it's delivered to um, the, the newspaper that I work for because it's a commercial business because I think it's cheaper. Or it was only possible to send it to a business and not to a home. So then my friend Chap Ma who is um, ethnic Chinese, but Vietnamese. So he's got a pickup truck, but it doesn't have a nine foot bed. So he helps me out and he, he so he comes and he picks, picks it up. And I'm riding in the back of this thing, of his truck. Um, and uh, I, what did, what did chap call his, uh, Yes, a chap would call his trucks uh, Mexican trucks because uh, they weren't uh, the, the they were they were definitely broken in work trucks. Uh, chap had a lawn maintenance um, 
uh, uh, company. And so I'm riding in the back, trying to keep the thing up, but like not falling over and crushing me. And we finally get it home. And it's like, and so it's like fantastic, but it's, it's so it's really big. And, um, I wish, I kind of wish we had a website now so I could put a picture of the, uh, of that up there. I, um, it's every place we've lived since. So the apartment in, in, uh, in Portland to, uh, Fort Worth, even a small house in Fort Worth that we had was big enough for the map. Um, the place in Kansas City and now here in Dallas. So uh, the joke now is if we're ever refugees, there's going to be B-roll footage of me and Mrs. Winger running down the side of the road carrying this six by nine foot map. Uh, you know. How uh, have you kept that box? that you've that you had to ship it in to, to move it to your new locations foolishly no uh i did not keep the original box uh i have however made another one myself and i think that my uh skills as a uh do-it-yourselfer as a as a sharp guy with all the best black friday tools um, <laughs> consumer grade how long did it take you to make that box <laughs> are you are you out of the neosporin now <laughs> how many tubes have you been through since <laughs> it would have been cheaper to buy stock in neosporin i could have paid for a guy to build my box yeah. Anyway, it's it's in the it's in the garage behind uh, along the wall. Um, but you know the uh, the map the map's really cool. You know, it's uh, I I it probably used to hang in like a, um, I don't know like a bank or an investment company. You know, someplace where Indiana Jones's classroom. At Indiana the Jones's classroom <laughs> is a perfectly reasonable guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every time I go someplace, it does those like lines over the glass. <laughs> like, and then a big dot when you have like a transfer, and then it, then yeah. it goes. Yeah. Marrakesh. You'll never catch him. Marcus Brody speaks a dozen different languages. He knows people in every every town between here and Casablanca. You'll never find him. He'll blend in. He's a ghost. <laughs> Hello. Does anyone <laughs> does anyone speak any English? <laughs> he's in he's in the middle of a goat sport game. <laughs> Buzkashi. <laughs> Somebody offers him water. Oh no, thank you, sir. Fish make love in it. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah so anyway so that uh so that was the map and that and we still have that map and I, a couple times i've thought wow i bet i could sell this but it's just not it's not a real i'd rather sell everything else first it's cool yeah. so yeah so it was, it was like in a like i mean it's so huge i mean i don't even know where i mean what sort of a normal person would want this 
Uh, I it's don't. Gotta be, it's got to be from a classroom. What do you think? <laughs> I, I, it's almost too nice for a classroom. One of those things that they like, they pull down, it's like got the retractable. It's in a frame. It's mounted. Yeah. So you think that they took that map and mounted it? Mm-hmm. And then put it back in a classroom where they had no flexibility with it whatsoever? Maybe it was on uh, like casters and then they would like wheel it out. And <laughs> um, okay, maybe. I don't know what to say. I'm trying to be nicer. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'll just may. <laughs> maybe it hung from the ceiling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they pulled it up. Maybe they pulled it. <laughs> Jared, what do you think? How do you think? What do you think they did with it? I don't care. <laughs> Jab, uh, Jared's got map and NB. Yeah. I he's like my his, map. <laughs> he's got his puny map behind him that comes in three separate pieces. Easy to ship. Yeah. How much, did it, how, much did it, how much did it cost you to get it from Brooks Place in San Francisco to Portland all in? Well, so this would have been like 98, I'm guessing. Um, 97, 98. And it cost, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like it was a lot of money for us at the time, but I don't know. Well, I mean, not counting Brooks' time and his like rental of the U-Haul. I mean, Brooke, you know, it was, it was an extraordinary gift, but I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking between four and 500 bucks. Whew. Well, you, but how much, you build, how much you build you think, a crate uh... and ship it to the West Coast then. I mean, what do, what do you think? Well, I, you, I can't get, I can't, uh, you know what? I had a bad experience with FedEx. Do you, oh, but do you, you, do you, do you want to hear do about, you, do you feel like you got a good deal on that? On the map? Well, you got the, you got the map for free though, right? It was a gift. <laughs> yes. Gifts are typically. A pen. Take the pen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Seinfeld reference. It is. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it. We've got others. It was a, it was a gift. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit in Ishtar where uh, Charles Grodin, who just died in the last few months, um, uh, who I always thought was hilarious. He was so dry and and uh, <laughs> mean spirited. Um, but he was a CIA agent and he was trying to recruit Dustin Hoffman. And uh, uh, he says, could I get an autograph? And, and Dustin Hoffman's like this really cheesy singer. And he says, well, sure, sure. He says, here, 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 use my pen. And, and he, he, he signs, he write, gives him an autograph. And then Charles Gordon says, keep it, keep it. We've got more. It was bugged. That was like the, how he got Dustin Hoffman to, so they were able to, track him anyway i've never it. seen it i've never i've never seen ishtar i love ishtar it's so funny to me i've i've heard that that like when it came out it was pretty widely panned but it was universally uh, panned yeah but yeah. uh but since then there's you know there's people that really like it it was by elaine may you know elaine may is very very funny and she was in uh 
she was in she worked with Mike Nichols, who later became a director. He did The Graduate. That really made his reputation. He did a, a movie called Carnal Knowledge that I saw as a, you know, 100 years ago, and I didn't think it was very good. Uh, he did uh, The Birdcage with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. So, I mean, he made uh, it's he did primary colors. I mean, I mean, the guy was always working and he just died in the last few years. So I think it was Nichols and May were like this and they, they would like do impromptu and they would do like, they, they were kind of like a Stiller and Mira, you know, Jerry Stiller and um, what was Ben Stiller's mom's name? Um, Ann Mira, Ann Mira. So they, um, it was kind of like a comedy team, but then they like started doing, started making movies and his, his career was a bigger deal. But she made movies and she did a movie with Walter Matthau that Mrs. Winger and I just watched uh, called A New Leaf that, that I didn't think was very good. But um, my friend Ray, yes, that Ray, Ray Barber at All in a Dream Comics and Books at, on uh, East Colfax in Denver. Give Ray a call at 303-333-8616. Best collection of Silver Age and comics and graphic novels you'll find anywhere all in a dream comics and books the loading has begun anyway ray said that i should uh, look up pauline kale uh, uh, she was the film critic for the for i think the new york times for 30 years or something no or no no um he may have referenced that but i think he said roger ebert has like this really insightful uh article um about a new leaf which was made in like 69 um walter Matthau is a spoiled trust fund kid i mean he was i mean he wasn't a kid but um he never grew up you know and so he just wants to maintain his opulent lifestyle and never have to work and so he's going to marry elaine may who's rich but um Elaine May was maybe the, the original quirky girl, you know, um, with, with glasses and a little too smart for most boys to get her, you know, that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, they're going to get married. Walter Matthau is going to kill her and take all of her money and thereby hangs the tale, a new mm. leaf. I didn't love it, but I don't know. I, I've been meaning to, uh, uh, I, I got a lot of things to read, so I'll get to Roger Ebert's review of a night movie in 1969 in due course. I do like a good essay. Speaking of reading, boys, what are you reading right now? Uh, Jared, let me guess. Bluebeard and uh, Drinking Life? Yep. You are plowing through those, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> hey, okay, I started reading Bluebeard, what? Not maybe two weeks ago. Okay. I'm almost done. Nice. The story of Rabo Karabekian. Yeah. I um well, I don't think this gives anything away from the book, but now every time I see something that's the color brown, I want to describe it the way he was describing it. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah yeah i remember that line 
Brian, I don't think I don't think quite a few times. I don't think you've gotten I don't think you've gotten to that part yet, Brian. Have you started the book, Brian? (laughs) I think I I did. I did start it, but uh, for all practical purposes, I'm gonna have to start it again because it's been some time since I started it. So should we set a date? Because the girls are (laughs) this is gonna surprise you super disappointed that we haven't done it yet they both read it like the first three days and that's um, crazy <laughs> they boy did they did they really miss really misplaced their trust in me let's set a date i like a deadline two well two weeks well let's see here Yeah. What would that be? That's going to be like... Uh... That's going to be the sixth. Okay. Okay, there it is. We've got a date. Two weeks out from our third uh, book, Managing Expectations book club edition. And, and I bet it's going to be the best one yet. I don't know. The way the girls um, made you shrink the size of raisins um, when they um, were talking about John D. McDonald, that was pretty great. I wish I had that on video. That was fantastic. You know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you something interesting. Speaking of video, uh, producer Jack made a recommendation. He said that we should uh, do a YouTube channel in conjunction with the Managing Expectations podcast. So that way we, we, we take this and we put the podcast version up, but then we also put the video version up on YouTube. Uh, you know, uh, that way be, our listeners can get the full experience. Are we comfortable with that? What's the downside? People, I don't, think, I don't think there's a downside. People know who we are. Uh, comments. Yeah. But we can disable the comments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we really wouldn't have any plausible deniability at that point because I could say, no, that's a different, that's a different, it's a different fellow you're talking about. Oh, no. You mean, you mean the other Jeff Winger? <laughs> not that, because that, that's not me. That's the other Jeff Winger, and he's a real tech head. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that he is prone to the injudicious use of dairy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. Just a thought. Just a thought. I don't want to, you know, get too carried oh. away with that idea. Uh, but well, I, I wouldn't say I'm carried away. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody, just calm down. I'm just, just throwing out ideas here. Let's, let's just all keep, keep your shorts on. Anybody? We go on YouTube and we all start wearing suits. <laughs> We're nicely dressed. <laughs> w- w- wigs, up, wigs on. <laughs> we're, all, we're, all, we're dressed like the Continental Congress. <laughs> here, here, good fellow. <laughs> to to I, industry. I, I, <laughs> 
<laughs> Shirley, <laughs> raise this year's monocle tax. <laughs> Surely, commerce will save us. Um, any, anybody watched any movies? Okay, so uh, I, I, I tell you what. Why don't I go first? Maybe that'll you know. Yeah get get the get the wheels turning mrs winger and i watched the first two uh episodes of loki on um uh disney mm -hmm. it's all in this fantastical science fiction world with like time and stuff because it's always kind of i don't know so it was kind of like um the set of mad men because like everything's like from this like IBM um late 50s early 60s kind of uh aesthetic as filtered through science fiction okay so so anyway um I don't know watch the first couple um but then Mrs. Winger just sent me uh she's waiting in a doctor's office she's got um uh she got some poison ivy and it's not going away and um it cuts her um it's on her it's on her uh torso and i don't i don't know what she was was she playing buzkashi <laughs> i told if, her if i could see any woman i know playing that game i could see julian playing it Uh, Mrs. Winger's lost a lot of upper body strength. Uh, so, um, so uh, anyway, so she's got she's sitting in a doctor's office, and she sends me the following uh, from Wired magazine, dated uh, June twenty one. Loki has, and I quote: Loki has always been Marvel's most queer character. The character's identity rooted in sexually fluid Norse mythology goes far beyond any form of queerness TV has ever seen. I hmm. did not, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that in the first two episodes, but uh, haven't read the article. So we'll, we'll see if I do. Just saying. Had a pretty, uh, so anyway, uh, watched Loki. Did I tell you that we started to watch this show called uh, Lady in a Cage? Mm -mm. On Hulu? With uh, Olivia de Havilland, who played Miss Melly in Gone with the Wind. And it's from like 1964. I didn't say this in the last podcast. Don't make, If I repeat myself, you don't get to make fun of me for being old. You repeat yourself all the time. <laughs> I don't really, I don't. If I haven't mentioned it before, if I repeat myself. <laughs> so Lady in a Cage, uh, Olivia de Havilland had, is like a, a older lady because, okay, so Olivia de Havilland just died like last year at 104 in, in her London apartment. She had like the longest, fullest life of anybody ever. 
I was about uh, to say when you I was about to say that when you said that you were watching a show called Lady in a Cage with Olivia de Havilland, I thought maybe that Lady in a Coffin. But uh, it, it's, it was it's an old know, it's an old show. It's yeah, it's from 1964. James Kahn was in it. It was James Kahn's first film role. Wow. James Kahn's debut. And um it was okay, and then like the guy. Okay, so remember the original True Grit, the guy who plays Tom Cheney. He was in it. He plays like a crazy drunk, who when he's not passed out drunk is always screaming, "Repent, repent!" And it's like it's just like this. Really, I mean, I mean, for '64, it was probably like super edgy, um, just like this 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 view of modern life and man being alienated from other you know you know people being alienated from one another because so olivia de Havilland plays like an older lady and uh, she'd broken her hip but she's wealthy so they put in an elevator well the power goes out and she's stranded alone in her elevator uh in her very nice home um and there's an alarm and she's hitting it but nobody's responding to it and there's like it's intercut with all these um you know scenes of like traffic and people stuck in traffic and people just being hot on a hot summer day and nobody has time to take care of their brother man and and it, it just and, and and it was kind of acted in this uh french avant-garde way like it was like kind of like experimental theater and so they were like making like all these crazy moves man and like doing you know and and stuff like this and and everything seemed really exaggerated but it wasn't cheesy enough that you couldn't take it seriously so we are we're halfway through it and julene's like i really don't need to watch a movie to make me feel depressed and i'm like no i don't suppose you do so we we called it, cut it off. So, what did we watch the other night? Then we watched uh, the Fox um, show uh, from several years ago, the Sarah Cro- Terminator, the Sarah Connor Cro- Chronicles. Did you guys ever watch that? Mm-mm. So that Lena Headley, Headley, she's she, she's she's pretty good, and um, that uh, that Summer Glau. She's pretty good too. And then uh, uh, Brian Austin Greer. Green. Is that a guy? Green. Green, Green Austin Greer was formerly, in it. For, formerly Mr. Megan Fox. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Uh, oh, boy, if those kids couldn't make it work out. What's he been up to uh, since? Is he doing anything? 9021 old. <laughs> <laughs> wow i heard some people you know it, was, it seemed uh, i heard i was listening to another podcast and they were they really got teed off on the uh friends reunion and um i don't know that seemed kind of mean to me even i mean even if it's true but i mean the fact of the matter is if you're of a certain age i mean you know i'm sorry but if you were 35 and 95 and you're 55 or 60 now you know you're you probably put on weight and uh you know look i i'm not 
you know, people make funny decisions about plastic surgery. That's, that's true. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really care for Friends when it was on TV and wasn't really that interested in watching the reunion show or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I saw some of the stuff that people had said about some of the cast members and, you know, you're right. Yeah, people don't look the same the way that they did 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, except for Jennifer Aniston. And she's probably got some I- help. Oh, so, well, and I think Lisa Kudrow um, ha- had held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, but all the guys, I mean, look, I, you know, believe me, I, I, nobody would be more mortified than me uh, to be sitting next to my 1997 self. You know, David Schwimmer actually didn't look too bad either. He didn't, he, he didn't look great. But I mean, for 20 some years later, I don't think he looks too bad for for his age. All right. Well, I wa- I watched the reunion. I was did I have was any was, did it have any yucks? Yeah. Yeah, it had some good it had some good moments. It did was, Monica you know, and Chandler ever get married? Yes, they were married early in the in the show. What was the big What was the big thing at the last episode? So the last episode was uh, Rachel and Ross finally. Oh, okay. So how'd that work out? In the final episode? Yeah. I'm trying to think. She's about to be making a big move. I think she was going to be moving to another country. Like she was accepting a job. I say country. It might have been just another state. But Ross, for some reason, decides to wait till the the last episode to profess his love (laughs) to her. And so there's this whole thing where like, is she going to get on the plane? Is she not? Well, then she goes to the airport. You think she got on the plane and he's trying to stop her. And he goes back to his apartment thinking she left and he starts listening to his voice, his uh, voicemail. And you can hear her uh, talking to him and you can hear her trying to get off the plane. And then the voicemail cuts off before you find out what happened. And he's like, oh, did she get off the plane? And all of a sudden you hear his door open and she's like, I got off. Isn't that just so romantic? <laughs> that's pretty much that's pretty that's pretty much how, how it went down. So it, I thought it was Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I've waited 12 years to learn the <laughs> conclusion of this friend series. Hey, hey, hey Jared, how did Gilmore Girls end? <laughs> I, I didn't watch that. I, I watched the the sisterhood of the traveling, what was it called? <laughs> the traveling pants. <laughs> um so were they married in the reunion? I mean, were there two couples so, you know, plus Matt LeBlanc and Phoebe? So yeah, Matt LeBlanc, uh, Matt LeBlanc, Joey was the only one who never got married. Phoebe got married in the final season to Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd was in the final season. So yeah, everybody got married, but Joey. And then I don't know if you remember after Friends, there was a spinoff. Right. About three episodes. (laughs) I think it did two seasons, but it it didn't, it didn't do, I don't think it did well. 
I thought it did two seasons. I could be. Okay. Could be wrong. Okay. But yeah, I don't think you, I don't, I think they leave you just kind of thinking, okay, Ross and Rachel are back together, but you don't know if they got married. I mean, you, you yeah, assume yeah. they got married. Well, so, so what was the, their status in the reunion? So that's, was just kind of weird. They dated early in the, like the second or third season of friends and it lasted about a season. And then I thought that was, I thought that was just kind of a, no, but, but I'm asking about the HBO max. Oh, sorry. Reunion show. I mean, was it just like, I mean, was it like an actual. So it's not an episode. They didn't redo an episode. It was more them sitting together there. Uh, the host was that um, English, com- uh, uh, English uh, talk show host Corgan. Is that his, is that his last name? Corgan, Billy Corgan. <laughs> James Corden. James Corden. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and did they did they sing did they sing while they were driving around the city? They the did car? couch they did couch karaoke in the Central Park. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> no. So yeah, it was kind of like uh, James Co- James Corden is unwatchable. I, I I don't. Who is that? Is he like a is he like a guy for the millennials? What 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 is up? You with know this? what? Everybody I know loves him. Everybody I know loves the guy. I I think he's kind of grown on me a little, but I didn't care for him at first. But everybody I know loves the guy. He was he was the weak spot in Ocean's Eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet he was. I didn't see Ocean's Eight. I cannot think of James Corden without thinking of Ricky Gervais's joke at the Golden Globes. Hang around, hang around for a second when I'm done, when we're done recording, and I will tell you what Ricky Gervais said. <laughs> and you <laughs> wait a minute. Can't producer Jack like edit out swear words? <laughs> Whoa. Like, like a like a real funny noise. I'm just reporting what I hear. Anyway, uh, no, producer Jack just uh, charges his father an arm and a leg to put in <laughs> the bumper music. <laughs> with, and by the way, I was playing around with the bumper music the other day, trying to make the outro come together. The drums weren't actually as great as I remember. Um, and I was having a hard time like adding another, another track on top. You know, I got a hand of that Bruce Springsteen. He did a lot with four tracks on Nebraska. Yep. Hey, Phil Spector, maybe. Uh... <laughs> so um, yeah. I've been making a playlist for uh, um, our upcoming road trip. It's, I'm very excited. It will be huge. And probably misses. We'll listen to like six songs because we're going to be listening to audiobooks the whole time. Uh, okay. Well, um, uh, the Friends reunion sounded dreadful. No sense getting HBO Max <laughs> for that. Um, let's see what else. Let's see. Uh, I had gotten HBO Max just to watch the King Kong versus Godzilla because that was the only way you could see it. But. <laughs> How do you feel about that decision now? 
you know, it was, I don't know. It wasn't horrible. <laughs> you know, I'm the only it's guy gonna, on this podcast who hasn't way. who hasn't seen King Kong versus Godzilla. One of these things is not like the others. Yeah, yeah, no, no, story of my life. Uh, so, Lady in a Cage is available on Hulu. If you know you want a movie from the early '60s that uh, seems like experimental French cinema, only sadder. That you can get about halfway through and say, "Yeah, I don't need to see how this ends." Let's watch something where Summer Glau plays a android assassin. That's a good show. Uh, okay, well, this has been yeah, it's been fine. You know, it's only you know a- after after something as exquisite as the bidet, it's only natural that to have uh, something of a shall I say denouement. We we hit our zenith two weeks ago, guys. <laughs> no way, no way. We're just we're, we're we're you know the thing is Springsteen knows you got you take him up and you got to bring him down a little. And then you take them back up and you bring them back down. I like it to be all rise, all rise. And if we can't do that, we might as well quit. <laughs> Sounds like you're applying for a job as the bailiff. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was a profession where I could just like all rise all day. <laughs> <laughs> he had that job, but when they added, when they added in, Step forward and you will be heard. It totally threw him off. It's like, what what am I, Hamlet? Okay, so, um, fellas, thanks very much. Uh, Good show. Thanks for your... uh, So we're two weeks out from uh, Bluebeard Book Club. Everybody mark your calendars and or start reading the book. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's have a great day. And you know how we're going to do that? By going to work. And you know how we start that? How? Somebody's got to say, let's go to work. Go to work. <laughs>